Hey, Honeymooners, you can find ad-free episodes, Moshe's DJ sets, merch discounts, and so much more on our Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash endlesshoneymoon or click the link in the description of this episode. Okay, guys, I don't mean to jump right into the business of starting this episode, but Natasha and I just had an experience that uh, I would say shook us to our core. (laughs) And we need to know what you think. We didn't know what to do. So we live in Silver Lake. And uh, one of the interesting things about Silver Lake, which is, I'd say, a... um, upper middle class bougie bougie section of los angeles it has uh vaccination rates lower than sudan lower than sub-saharan africa we looked at there's a map actually of all the preschools in our in los angeles and their vaccination rates and some of them are in the like low 30 percentile of of kids that are vaccinated so it's pretty rough out here i mean why do affluent communities vaccinate less than uh, sub-saharan african communities it's pretty obvious it's because they have the privilege to do so if you have actual health issues that you need vaccination from rippling through your community you're not going to be like well i read a very interesting article on the learning annex that said you're going to be like give me that fucking um, give me that well, people are very passionate about this. Yeah, and they're wrong. Okay. Well, the point is, is that we were at a class. Anyway, well, yeah, the, po- the point is also that we're just like already a little locked and loaded with paranoia about the general disregard for uh, medical. I, people, by the way, who do this like, I don't like Western medicine. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, me neither. When it comes to the treatment of diseases, I hate having the scientific method involved. <laughs> you know what I mean? I prefer to have like a the philosophy of like a of a eleventh century sorcerer involved in my healthcare decisions. Well, so we take our child to this place. class. We don't want to say where because we really like the place. We think it's dope, but we have this inborn paranoia about all of the children around us all the little white children running around with their yellow fever and their malaria and their measles and mumps and so we're taking our darling healthy child to this class where you kind of bounce around on like you know mats and stuff and <laughs> very subtle and then this you'll l- never guess what kind of class it is they bounce around on mats and so then there was this child there with their n- young nanny yeah like a 19 year old looks like she's a bassist in a punk rock band <laughs> nannies you know what i mean like not screaming qualified health child health care technician and she's trying to take a picture of the child she's nannying's open sore on oh, its face to you, show the mom hold on you didn't mention why we know our kid runs over because she's in the area and she's like messing with her phone and kids like phones because they're like taboo because most parents uh, keep phones away from their kids and uh, and that's a good kind of uh, hipster child rearing philosophy but so she's on her phone so our kid runs over to the phone to the infection zone and gra- and is like grabbing at the phone so she's like touch you know the circle of touch is like sore to nanny to phone to daughter to me and now i have the mumps <laughs> so anyway we see this child's face we don't know what it is it's fucking ruthless dude i never seen it it was i honestly like no disrespect to that young little child baby but i my stomach was a little bit like uneasy when i saw it it was like a hardcore like boil like it was so big. But it looked like it was about to pop. It was so gnarly. And then they were bouncing so, around on mats. I know. It, I know. <laughs> I was scrubbing, like doing like a third base slides into a mat, just like rubbing the sore. I 
It was so big. I swear to God, I looked closer and I could see. Ew, you looked closer. I looked at closer. It? I saw Swiss people climbing up it. <laughs> and there was a St. Bernard with a little bit, a teeny tiny barrel of hot chocolate in it. And so Moshe, as you know from other episodes, doesn't really like confrontation. So I was pretty surprised that he wanted to leave the class immediately. Oh, I was like, we got to get out of here. And when you want to leave, that scares me because you kind of <laughs> like are way more lax than me. So then Moshe started freaking out about this. So I was like, let's go. Well, I didn't know what it was. I mean, look. But we it, love the teacher and we didn't even say goodbye to the teacher. I know. I we just it was like ran it, out of the door. Well, it would have been kind of crazy to say goodbye to be like, uh, He's got the mumps, so we're actually at like I didn't know what it was. Was it a mump or was it a or was know. it a boil or what? Well, when was, I called the school to just let them know that that was maybe they needed to send a reminder email out to like children with open sores shouldn't come to the class. Right. They said, well, no yellow next fever. time you should say something to the teacher. And I said it wasn't really a situation where you felt comfortable being like, excuse me, I'd like to discuss this this child here, this child's jacked up face. <laughs> Yes, the leper. That's right, the leper child. I, I think, could we do something about the leper child? And also, what are they going to do? You know, it reminds me of a time when I was taking a uh, mixed martial arts class. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I do boxing, Natasha. I don't know if our listeners know. I know, because I see those horrendous looking shoes laying around. <laughs> Wrestling shoes. Ugh, they are in a front. I'm sorry. Well, that's why I got to go. I got to get Rothy's. And also, Much better looking shoes. You know how I also know that you wrestle? Or uh, what is it? Box. Box. <laughs> because you have these wet, like, um, st- like kind of sweaty strips, like just <laughs> hanging they're called, everywhere. They're called wraps. Your wet hand wraps. Your wet hand wraps are in the bottom of your car where I sit when you take me out on dates, and then they're hanging on. You know why they're hanging? <laughs> the because bathroom wall. You know why they're hanging on the walls? Because I bring them home. I wash them in a shower with me to prevent things like staph infections, bacterial infections, the mumps, the measles. <laughs> but a, a long time ago, boxing is like the greatest workout I've ever experienced in my life. I love it. I love boxing. I love surfing. But uh, but what the reason I got into boxing is because I, I like watching like UFC mixed martial arts, right? Which which is kind of the mark of kind of I guess I don't know an, an intellectual. Or something. I think you also like boxing because it's uh, your classes are right during the baby's bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's, so every other day you leave for right when it's time for story time, bath time, putting her to bedtime. You know no, that like hour and a half that happens every day. I like I like boxing because it teaches you defensive techniques, mm-hmm. and I have a person who lives with me who is so outwardly offensive that i often have to bob and weave to get away from her uh, passive aggressive barbs <laughs> but um but years ago because i like mixed martial arts i thought oh i'm doing boxing i might as well take this like ufc t- style class not for me very difficult uh it's i really think mixed martial arts training is for people that want to become professional fighters not for people that just like want to get in shape and have a little fun doing it like also me. like you gotta really like feet you gotta like. You feet? want like some man's sweaty feet on your face. That's what mixed martial arts is. You think all of the UFC fighters are just really into feet? No, I don't know. But every time I watch it, they're just writhing their naked bodies and feet all over each other, like an armpit in your face and then a foot in your mouth. It just I have seems never gross. seen anything like what you're talking. They're about. always like writhing and like writhing. 69ing and like I don't. They don't call it that. <laughs> Those aren't the terms. They and use. then there's blood all over the place. That's I mean, true. it just seems kind of sad. Okay, well, anyway, I went to this gym and I started doing this. uh, And gyms, by the way, like wrestling gyms are kind of like they're just Petri dishes for Mm -hmm. for grossness. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, Chaboy, it's a long time before I met you. 
I got something. I got scabies from oh, the gym. Oh, no. Straight up. Are I you wa- kidding? I'm not kidding. It's Shouldn't you have told me that before we got married? I mean, it's not a permanent disorder. Not STD. It's a, no, it's not. I mean, I have other STDs that I haven't told you about, but I, it's truly neither here the nor there. The scabies come back? No, no. It's like a, it's like a, it's not bad. It, scabies is actually kind of good. I'll explain what it is. It's like crabs, but they live inside of your body. Ew. So it's not bad. It's actually kind of... <laughs> It's kind of cool, right? So you got scabies from wrestling? Pretty common, because basically the class before my class was a kids wrestling class, and kids are like rife with scabies. Basically, you know, it's like kids and hippies. That's how you get scabies. And uh, hippie kid, if you ever shake a hippie kid's hand, if you go to a music festival and there's like a like a toe-headed, long-haired, blonde boy named like Willow or or like or or Butterfly, and you shake his hand, you have scabies 100% of the time. That's that's not that's 100% transmission rate. Anyway, I had it. I it was just undeniable, and I'm like every week I was like wrestling with these guys, writhing around, putting my feet in their mouth, and I'm like, well, okay, somebody's got to let the gym know, you know, somebody has to. I have to tell the gym that this is happening because I've been there, I got it from there, and I have it, and I've probably given it to other people. So I write the gym anonymously. I've created an email address for the specific email, and I say, listen, I know this is weird, I know this is tough, but. Um, I caught scabies from the gym. I've been wrestling in the gym, and it's probably you know you guys have a, pro- a an outbreak, and they never responded, and they never sent anything out in their newsletter, and that and so I I mean I got where they were coming from because like that would destroy their business. They would have to completely shut down. But they were just like basically we'll just ride this out. But also, how can they prevent it? They could shut the gym down for a few days insecticide that bitch and start over but nobody would probably come back so they were like fuck it let's just let people get this so i and so i stopped going and that's the reason that if i ever got into a a mixed martial arts fight i'd probably lose well thank god you found a new gym during our baby's bedtime (laughs) no you're back to that (laughs) no i'm bobbing and weaving bobbing and weaving so i'm glad that you work out no you're very healthy you're very inspiring moshe is a very you're a very physical person. I am very. I feel physical. like you're in really good shape. You're Thank always you. you have a lot Thank of you. like outdoor hobbies. You work out too, though. Yeah, but I do like reluctantly. My, I know mine's reluctant. It's as little as possible. It's uh once a week. You it's know the saying. The you know, lowest weight possible. You know the saying. No pain. And I never want to sweat. <laughs> you know this. Yeah. She, Natasha gets to that point where you're like, wow, I really have to push myself, and she's like, I think we're done. Well, I just think that it's a funny thing to just want to just do very light workout <laughs> it is funny but it's also ineffective <laughs> it's not though i'm healthy i lost you are weight. healthy you look good i got back to the weight i was at i walked the i would like to walk around i, no, I walk good. like two miles you know three the, times a week i'll tell you what your problem is I like physically. To walk places yeah uh, your problem physically every wife wants to get this from a husband your problem physically mm-hmm. is that you don't actually need much exercise to have a like really in shape looking body and so Therefore, you're not motivated to exercise because like you you just lose weight and get back to your sort of walking around legero weight. Uh, legero means lightness uh, without much effort. And the, it's an illusion to think that the only reason one should exercise hard is in order to make their body look good. That's a You're nice right. part. That's a nice part of it. You're but right. there's so many other benefits. For it. it makes you feel better. You know, there's a study that says doing 20 minutes of cardiovascular exercise three times a week is equivalent in its antidepressive benefits to taking a low dose SSRI, a low dose antidepressant. Wow. So anyway. Well, but, exercise if you love it. I'm just saying I don't like to um, sweat. That's true, but you do look good. 
Thank you, honey. Anyway, what would you guys do? Did we do the right thing by just leaving? I don't know if we... It was a boil. A boil. This was a child with a boil. I, w- I felt a little too... I, I'm not at a place in my life where I can say to the nanny, excuse me, what is that on that kid's face? I know. It felt like we were in a Charles Dickens novel. And there was a little boy begging for soup. And he's like, my boil runneth over. Well, um, before we take some calls, I did want to do an ad for something I like. What's that? Ken Burns country music documentary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Natasha had this idea that she wanted to do ads for not... So, uh, these are called... These are unconsensual ads <laughs> where we plug something that has not asked us to plug them. What do you got? I think that everyone should... If you love music, you should watch the Ken Burns 11-part two-hour episode each documentary on country music even if you don't love country music well you have to be into music my mom watched it my oh, deaf, she did my deaf mom watched it and she enjoyed it that's wow. how good this documentary is she's like what is country music but i'm liking these stories that's amazing that your mom was interested and can't hear any of the songs and doesn't know what the sound is like what's up with ken burns though i mean how, so good how can you be such a genius and have such a bad haircut at the same time <laughs> <laughs> that that documentary he's is, probably in an editing bay his whole life that's true that documentary is probably the, the his best work i in my opinion i don't know so the good. one about um the native americans was amazing oh the west the west this week's episode is brought to you by ken burns and now we're dir- on oh sorry yeah i was gonna say and now we're on the national parks we've moved on to the national parks he is in fact an american treasure ken burns and if you want to see what kind of treasure he hath wrought start with the country music documentary on pbs only on pbs well i feel like i should plug something i know what i'll plug i'm gonna plug our national park system our national park system is a jewel that is yours it belongs to you i know we talked about a few weeks ago but listen Go to a national make plan make your plan now. Whatever the closest national park is to you, make a plan to go there and follow through with that plan. Your body is a monkey, and the monkey wants to get back to the jungle. So make a reservation at the national parks today. It was almost an accident that these even exist. That's true. In in every other society, like they were comparing it to in Europe, it's all of the most beautiful places are owned by the royals. Yeah, it's all like the von Swardybergs or whatever. But here... It's owned by you. You have access to these, and probably if they were making the laws today, rich people would own these places and we wouldn't be able to see them. So, so we are so lucky to live close to a national park. And if you don't live close to a national park, here's my advice to you. Save your money, invest wisely, become wealthy... Move to an area that has national parks. Actually, you know what? Move to Wyoming. They've got great national parks, and they could probably use some more Endless Honeymoon podcast listeners to sway the vote a little in those areas, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. So today's episode is being brought to you by Ken Burns Country Music, the National Park System, and Reverse Gerrymandering. <laughs> Move to Wyoming today and turn it blue. Let's take some calls. Now we're calling Ariel in Brooklyn. Hello. Ariel, this couldn't be a more New York moment. Did the subway just honk? Is that an NYPD siren squeaking behind you? Um, Yes, 
store. I'm in a backyard. <laughs> this is getting less New York by the second. There's, we don't have backyards in New York. Um, Ariel, what's going on? Um, so I'm getting married next year. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Uh-oh. But my, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so my parents got divorced about four years ago. Oh, wow. Um, was, it, was it your fault? Moshe. I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of annoyed. Um, no, so since then, my mom's sort of been um, a little insane. She's gone a little crazy. It wasn't a very amicable divorce. Sure. Um, so she, since then, she, like, stalked and catfished and, like, harassed my dad for a few months on Facebook. Um, Wait a minute. She, Ariel, hold on. Can I just stop you? Can we please hear yeah. the story of how she catfished her dad? Are you comfortable <laughs> telling it? I mean, in short, she sort of like pretended to be this yoga hot yoga teacher <laughs> and like talked to my dad for a few months. <laughs> that is so cold. Wait, wait, wait. No, I'm curious. You tell me when I push too far, Ariel, if this is traumatic for you. Do you think she Oh no, you're fine. Did she do it to make him excited and then eventually be disappointed? No, or she did it to prove that he's, like, dishonest, probably. Or did she do that? Or did she do it just so she could flirt with him one more time? <laughs> I I don't really know. I think it was, like, a... Um, She's hurt. If you, like, pina colada situation, like, she was going <laughs> to, like, make him fall in love with her again and then, like, meet up at the bar and be oh. like, oh, just kidding, it's me the whole time. <laughs> oh, that is so heartbreaking. And wait, Ariel, did she tell you she was doing this? No, um, she she came clean. My dad found out, basically, and he told me, and my sister told me, um, and I asked her about it, and she, she played it off. She was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> How did he find out? Um, he, like, he did some, uh, I guess, catfish work and, like, reverse Google searched it and found out <laughs> it's some other woman. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, this is wild. I love it. And I'm sure it's very traumatic for you. But for me, I have no emotional charge. And it's the greatest thing I've heard all day. Um, so no, it's a fu- I mean, it's a funny story. Sure. So what So what now? What, 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 how is it affecting you and your uh, potential marriage? Um, so she just doesn't. I mean, she, she like also just kind of got wasted one night when she was supposed to be watching my nephew. Um, and so she doesn't talk to my sister anymore. She doesn't talk to my dad, obviously. She argues with my brother. So... So, like, that would be bad, but I could handle that. What would be bad? You're, you're wondering about inviting her? Is that what the question is? Yeah. Um, and if it, I could handle just her, but now she's started, she moved in with this new guy uh, that she's been dating, and he's a little scary. In what way? He, like, just, well, he, like, makes inappropriate jokes about, like, having sex with her. Like, <laughs> talking about... <laughs> Talking about like her smoking jewels. Her smoking jewels, like <laughs> while they're while they're having sex. Yeah, I guess he like made a joke about made a comment about her like smoking a jewel. I'm sorry. Wait, your mom threw is... her pussy. Yeah. Oh. That's what, she, that's what he said. I don't know. Wait, I'm, I'm confused here. You're, I'm gonna ask questions. Your mom is uh has catfished someone and smokes <laughs> jewels out of her genital. Is she? A millennial? I, 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 <laughs> she seems younger than you, actually. Wait, Ariel, I have a question. Uh, is, is does your mom is, is has your mom always has there always been issues like this, or has this has this divorce no. just really shaken her and she's going through a really hard time? Yeah, it's kind of recent, and I think my dad sort of grounded her 
in a sense. Um, and I think since he's been gone, she's just gotten a little out of control. Like she right. just looks like she, they got kicked out of a nudist colony event for like being inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, because nudist colonies are about communing with your body and nature, not about vaping nicotine through your various orifices. It does so. seem like a hard place to get kicked out of though. Oh man. So she's having a crisis. She's having a crisis, That's which is, sad. which is sad. And I'm sorry that you're going through that. Uh, but you're not having a crisis. So what what is what is the thing that you are wondering about? What is the thing you're unsure about? Well, I just I just don't know how to have her be a part of these nuptials, have her be a part of my special day and not upset her, but also not upset literally everyone surrounding her because she's going to want to bring this man. He like he also likes to like he likes to have like say racially insensitive things as well okay i'm Um, I'm warming up to the guy (laughs) i didn't know about him with this jewel comment but now i kind of there's something to him he's he's just he's a character and i just don't want to i i just don't know how to literally not upset every single one of my friends but also not upset my mom i i have a few good ideas um, first of all, you shouldn't have like hard liquor at your wedding. Oh yeah. Great idea. Definitely just wine and maybe a coffee cart. <laughs> you have like a sobriety bin. And, and if I were you, I would maybe give your mom like a very, like, like for example, at our wedding, there was like seven different, um, what were they, honey? Things oh, to read. Oh, the, in the, in the Jewish, are you Jewish, Ariel? You sound like you might be. Unfortunately not. So basically, we had to read read these. Were they laws? Well, there, it's in the Jewish wedding ceremony. There's these things called the seven blessings, and A the, blessing. the beautiful part is it's seven different things for family members to do and some of them are incredibly short so there's a way to honor the people in your life that are less stable without allowing them the microphone to give a to give a toast exactly i would say first and foremost get don't do toasts that's i mean really what i think no microphones no toasts. that's what we said i didn't (laughs) i didn't want it because it sounded cringy i mean if you have here's the issue that you're obviously dealing with you are balancing your your relationship and love for your mother with the reality of your that this is your day and it, you shouldn't make any special dispensations for the inappropriate behavior of your mom who's going through a crisis. Even as you love her and feel compassion for her, you don't want to sacrifice your own experience because she has made it impossible for you to not make some adjustments and have her at the ceremony. That's a difficult position. Or anyone else's experiences. I just don't want to piss anyone off. Either. Totally. And you- also, I mean, not to get you more worried, but I'm afraid that your mother might have a reaction to your father at the wedding and yeah. then her husband, her her new boyfriend's there saying inappropriate things. I mean, I definitely do not envy you. And if this was like even a brother or a sister, I would say do not invite them to the wedding. But it's your mom. <laughs> but it's so your mom. So, I mean, I guess what I would do if I were you, and I don't know what your relationship is like, but maybe close to the wedding, you can sit her down and just tell her how important it is that she's there and how much you love her and just assume it's going to go great and just say, and I'm so glad okay. that you're doing this. And I know, you know, I hope it's not too hard for you and if, if, if you're having a hard time come to me at any moment you know just like assume the best yeah. from her and let her know that you assume the best from her and say you know I know you don't always get along with with everyone but you know I just want you to know it's so important to me that you're there and you know I just really love you and you know just basically thank you in advance 
for your cooperation. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I'd manipulate it. Yeah, you're in an unfair position, which is that you're having to make uh, special uh, adjustments to your wedding that you don't want to make because probably you're not willing to not invite your mother to your wedding, right? Yeah. How long have they been together? Like six months. Okay, here's the deal. This is my belief. This is so hard. This is this isn't that hard, but it requires it requires. Well, it's not that hard from where I'm sitting because the answer is so obvious. It's going to be very difficult for you emotionally, but the reality is, from two objective listeners, it's very obvious that this guy doesn't belong at your wedding and that he isn't responsible for your mother's chaos, but he is a byproduct of your mother's chaos and he's more chaotic than her. And But his, her mom also needs to have some s- support at the wedding. She's going to be facing your father who's probably got some hot new girlfriend. Well, no. You know what? It's, it's not about making adjustments for your grown mother and how to support her. This is about you and having a, sp- a special day. You want your mother there. She should be there. But there's no reason that, y- that you need to invite this person who's, you're saying so far, sexually inappropriate, r- racially inappropriate, and physically inappropriate. It's just so obvious to me that you have to have a conversation with your mom where you say, I love you. I want you at my wedding. But I, I will not have that guy there. And the problem with that is you have to be ready. If you do that, here are your choices. You have to be, you have two choices. Have a conversation with your mother where she may scream at you and not come to your wedding. And it may, it may truly fuck your relationship up for the rest of your life. She may choose this guy over you, even though they may break up in three months. The, the psychological state that she's in, she may say, I'm, if, you're not, if he can't come, I'm not coming. And you have to deal with the emotional fallout of that. Or choice two, invite him and run the, I would say, pretty high risk of something going terribly wrong at your wedding and somebody either becoming incredibly offended or becoming, I guess, stabbed uh, in front of you at the, at the altar and bleeding out one of your, one of your friends. There, <laughs> there is a third choice, though, which is elope. Get That's this true. problem out of your life. I, I mean, I would do that. Like, just don't invite anyone. Go to Switzerland and... Well, because here's the problem with obviously the the correct thing to do, the hardest thing to do is to tell your mom that this man doesn't belong at your wedding because it sounds to me like there's probably a 90% chance that something bad will happen, something annoying will happen with him. And because I same same with my brother who I told him, I said, you can you can come to my wedding as long as you don't drink. And he said, okay, well, I'm not coming because there was definitely if he drank, I'd say a 100% chance there'd be some interaction. So anyway, now this guy's going to know you hate him. Yep. It and is so a very difficult position. Now you got like a in. dear John situation on your hands and this guy's going to like hate hate her kids, but I don't know. I mean, Ariel, let me ask you a question. I would elope and not be confrontational. That's what I would do too. Ariel, can I ask you a question? Yes. What do you think the odds are that you invite your your mother and this man to your wedding and something happens that is humiliating or worse to you what do you think the percentage that that is true is i think it's a 50 50 oh that's not <laughs> bad honest. that's really it's like bad a, it's a 50, one or the other <laughs> that's really bad that's a bad those are bad numbers 50 50 you you have to ask yourself if those numbers are worth the emotional risk that having a hard conversation with your mother would would be i mean that's the question is the emotional risk 
of having a real conversation with your mom, which it actually sounds like could have positive or negative results beyond you saving your wedding. And you can even say the things that bother you. I didn't like that he ha- did that racial slur in particular. And I also didn't like that he was talking about your vagina at dinner. It just made me feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. What do you do for work? I, I do hair. You do hair. So I, I'm just, I was trying to g- get a gauge of like where you're at financially too. I'm sure you're strapped financially because you're also getting married. But if you don't feel comfortable in a one-on-one confrontation with your mother about this which is 100% what it'll be it'll be a fight there's also the option of going to a professional with your mother of sitting down with a therapist even for one session and saying here's what I'm thinking because your mom needs to talk to someone obviously I mean and that's not your problem you're the you're the kid and and it sucks when your parents become the kid and you have to deal with that but those are your choices if you want to sidestep the drama altogether elope if you want to do the healthy thing that will maybe cause you to not talk to your mom for years or maybe even the rest of your life. Tell her she can't bring that man. And if you want to have a 50-50 chance of your wedding being a complete and utter fucking disaster, <laughs> invite everybody and please send us footage of the wedding. We would love to see it. But hopefully they break up and that your mom, you know, gets some help. Yeah, fingers crossed. Ariel, I'm curious, what are you planning on doing? Um, I mean, I was just going to have a very, I was going to have a sit down conversation with her at Thanksgiving, (laughs) um, about the situation and about what she, how she felt about the whole thing. Well, definitely really talked about it. I would, I would make it private. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it confrontationally. Yeah. We're the only ones at Thanksgiving. It's just. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. This story's like a. (laughs) This story is like a Russian doll of uh, of sadness. But wait. But wait. maybe it would be good for Ariel to talk to her mom without her husband. Without, without, I mean, without your fiance, whatever you call absolutely. it. Absolutely. I think it's a, a conversation for either you and your mom or you, your mom, and, and, a, and a third-party professional. And, and, wh- okay. and when you have this big conversation, were you going to say, what were you going to say? Were you going to say, please stop being inappropriate? Or were you going to say, I don't think that guy should come to the wedding? Well, we've tried the stopping inappropriate thing, and he got a little angry, and she got a little annoyed. So, when it actually happened, we tried to have a conversation with them about it. So, I think I think I was just going to have a conversation with her personally. Well, hopefully, that guy's not fucking her too good, and they'll break up. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's just my sounds feeling, like he might be though. It's just my feeling, my strong feeling, that the conversation where you remind her to behave herself is a waste of your time and energy because she has proven to you again and again that that's not something that she's right now in her life capable of. She's not going to she's not going to not act inappropriately. That's not that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean she's acting like a high schooler and people that act inappropriately don't do it on purpose. They do it because they can't not do it. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. another conversation where you say please don't act the way that you're incapable of not acting probably won't go anywhere. So you Yeah, got, that makes sense. You have some hard decisions to make. There's never a good time to do a bad thing. So have the conversation. Check back in. This guy does not belong at your wedding. And you don't owe him anything. And most importantly, you're probably tired of talking about this. But most importantly, this is about you having a good wedding. This is not about you mitigating your mother's emotional collateral chaos. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, good luck. Good luck out there. Hey, and congratulations. Don't forget to have Thank fun. So it's much. supposed to be fun for you. Your mom is not getting married. You are. 
Although, actually, your mom probably is getting married. That's the bad news. But well, that'll be a different call. Good luck. Bye. Oh, God. Thank you, guys. That was great. We helped her. Did we? Well, I think sometimes setting out what the options are is helpful. Those are the options. People know what their options are because it's obviously a very difficult situation. It's a difficult situation. You but can't the, not invite your mom to your wedding. And the, the problem is you can not invite your mom to your wedding. But she seemed like she had a fine relationship with her mom. Mm, okay. She's the only child who still talks to her. The issue with boundaries is not that they're ineffective. It's just they're very difficult to stick to. You set yeah. boundaries, but the challenge is not setting boundaries. We've all had the experience of setting a boundary and then immediately capitulating on it. The hard part with boundaries is setting them and then you, not the person who you set the boundary with, you respecting the boundary. You can't make other people respect a boundary. That's why you set it. Mm-hmm. You don't say, please respect, please set a boundary. You say, here's my boundary. And then you have to respect it. And it has to have consequences. The boundary is your fiance cannot come to this. Or your, your date, the guy you're dating can't come to this wedding. And, the, and you set it. He's not invited. I would have eloped, but you wanted to have a wedding. Well, we didn't have this issue. That's true. Good luck out there, Ariel. Okay, let's play some secrets, talk some shit, and see what we find. So this was a couple years ago. I was visiting a friend in D.C., and uh, I was sleeping on an air mattress in their living room, and it was freezing. It was like one of those weird D.C. winters where there was actually snow. And my friend's roommate had gone on a family trip to Mexico. So I stole his comforter in the middle of the night so that I could have like an extra blanket to sleep with on the floor uh, in the living room. And in the morning, I had to leave to fly back really early. And I woke up and found out that I got in my period all over this roommate's uh, comforter. And I checked my washing machine, and it was way too small to fit this huge down blanket. And so I just remade his bed and put the stained part of the blanket at the foot of the bed and then flew home. <laughs> what would you have done? Um, I know what I would have done. I probably would have stolen the comforter. Yeah, I would have thrown been the like, comforter away. there's an issue, and then I just would have had to buy a new comforter. I, I wouldn't have said that there's an issue. I would have stolen the comforter, thrown it in the dumpster, and been like, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Why would I know where the comforter is? They're like, you spent the night last night. That's I pretty didn't. rude. What can you do? Yeah. You know what I would have done? I would have shit on top of the period. And been like an animal got in here. <laughs> okay, let's hear one more. So I masturbate at work in the bathroom all the time. I get incredibly horny when I'm sitting at my desk and so much so that I can't concentrate on what I'm doing and it's all I can think about. So I have to go take care of it. So yeah, I diddle myself at work. (laughs) Done it. I've done it too, but I will say... You've done it? Yeah. You've diddled? I already said that on this podcast. Oh, hell yeah. One leg up on the toilet. Oh, this is hot. I got a little (laughs) bit turned on listening to that lady. And I wanted to know, what does she do for a living that she's getting so hot and bothered? Well, but you know what? It's it's cool that she's just going into the bathroom and taking care of it. You know what men do? Just sexually harass everyone around them. I don't think that that's true. First of all, not all men do that. Not all men. (laughs) 
But I actually don't think sexual harassment is about being so horny that you have to sexually harass Right, it's about power. Or something like that. I don't know that... It just doesn't seem to me that they're like, ooh, I'm so hot and horny, I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go rub my coworker's shoulders and tell her she looks stressed, you know? <laughs> I think th- those guys probably go jerk off in the bathroom too. Right. Golly. Listen, lady, call back. Tell us where you work. One of our listeners will come over and just fucking take care of business. Bang it out in that bathroom. And, you know, horniness goes through phases. It might, she might just be going through a phase. That's true. I was very horny when I was pregnant. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. With our kid or another time? <laughs> With our kid, but here was what was the problem. Yeah. I wasn't that into having sex because I was very uncomfortable. That's so ironic. So I watched a lot of porn. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Uh, maybe I have a secret. Whoa. That's why our child's first um, words were, uh, uh, oh, oh, God, yes. <laughs> I was trying to think of something not offensive. The least offensive porn thing. You get what I, the bit that I was doing. <laughs> okay, let's take another secret. Hi, my name is Nothing. I'm calling with a secret. My secret is sometimes I regret. Okay. Sometimes I regret getting sober because even though I was actively ruining my life and the lives of those around me, like it was still punctuated by the best night ever, you know, and now I have an amazing life, but my nights are punctuated with getting my chores done in a timely manner, which is cool. But sometimes I feel like I married the wrong person. You know what I mean? So let me know what you think. I, I feel this guy's pain, but uh, and I have some very specific advice. I mean, I because I've been sober for a very long time. I've been, you know how long I've been sober, Natasha? I don't know how you do it. How? I need to like decompress at the end of the day. I need to have well, a glass of wine. I need to like... I, I do it through ritual. I mean, it's been such a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't associate drugs and alcohol with relief anymore. Or the best night of your life. Right, although there is some of that. But, but you have like genuine fun when you go surfing. That's what I think. That That's the problem is that when you... I'm going to guess that guy's sober four years. That's mm-hmm. my guess, right? And sometimes when you get sober, you've, you have, uh, you have uh, made a behavioral connection between extreme drug and alcohol experiences with wildness and having a good time. And then you get sober and you take the extreme wild good time out, but you also take all of the horrifying toxic stuff out. Your life gets imminently and undeniably better, but all that like wild good time stuff is gone because you have a one-to-one relationship with drugs and alcohol for the thing that gives you extreme good times. And you take that away and all you have is health. And health is good for you, but it's not that fun. But my big paranoia in life has always been being basic. You know, it's like always been like being, I've always been afraid of being like a boring dude. And so I found other ways to have a wild, extreme good time. You know, I, that has been a passion of mine my entire sober life. That's why I go to Burning Man. That's why I went to raves. That's why I'm I'm unfaithful in our relationship. Like there's a lot of reasons. So you're saying find something fun to do. Find something wild and extreme to do. Don't clearly if you're a drug addict and an alcoholic, you're not a regular person. So your brain isn't going to be satisfied with the kind of like ho hum beaver cleaver type of experiences. And in terms of thinking you marry the wrong person, the truth is No, he means I think he meant that metaphorically, that he thinks he married the wrong person in that in, in, the wrong person is the sober life. Oh, I see. Am I, I might be wrong. Well, it, all I was going to say is 
it's good to be sober. And if you're in a relationship that's helping you stay sober and you're healthy sober, that is a good relationship in that sense. And honestly, the fun times end badly. And he even said, we're tearing people's lives apart. That's I hear what he's saying. That doesn't age well. That's not something that, like I said, the slippery slope, that's not something that just stays at a level. That only gets worse. Right. And if you are, in fact, in the position where you drink and do drugs in a way that is destructive, the option of going back isn't an option. So the only option is to find something looking forward that will give you that wild good time again. I mean, I would suggest, um, have you tried random murder? (laughs) That'll make you feel like a fucking king among men. Nature. In nature, yes. Nature nature, holds your answers. Go into a nature, go to a nature preserve, find a camper that's out there isolated and just cut his head off and see how that feels. You don't like that joke? I mean, it's... Don't do that. It's fine. I don't think you should do that. I don't recommend that. But do find something fun. Yeah, have fun. Get out there. Drinking takes up time. Maybe get into a book. Books are... Oh, all, get that's out, your get, advice? Read a I book? Get into something. He's like, oh, my problem is it used to be balls to the wall, coke and hookers, hanging out with Slayer, <laughs> cutting our own flesh. Into, I'm like, you should get an Audible oh, subscription. <laughs> what about chicken soup for the alcoholic soul? I, I can't speak with any authority because I'm one of those people who gets to have a glass of wine. Yeah, so get out there and find a way to find the wine in life. When I was around four years old, um, my family would occasionally babysit this um, this beautiful green parrot for, uh, for a family friend. And um, one day, I was home alone and I decided to give him a bath. So, um, so I grabbed him and uh, I gave him a little bath in the kitchen sink. And I tried to pat him down with uh, paper towels. Um, I, I kept trying it. He wouldn't dry. Um, so because he wouldn't dry, I decided to try something else. Um, in my mind, in my four-year-old mind, um, a microwave would work <sighs> like a giant walk-in hair dryer. So, um, so I put him in um, a few seconds at a time. So um, like three seconds, uh, still wet. Five seconds, seven seconds, thirteen seconds, and so on. And um, he did. He he died. Um, I freaked out and I cried and uh, cried until my parents came home and um, I told them that he died of old age. And they must have known something happened, but they didn't question me and um, they never even punished me. Wow. I think it's illegal to leave a four-year-old home alone. With a parrot. First of all... <laughs> Four is too young. It's very... I mean, this oh, is... Oh, it's that's not most, your fault. Yeah, it is. That is the most <laughs> horrifying... Four. That is the most horrifying story I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> and But there's a lot of really funny details to it. First and foremost is obviously this like crisp, fry, Kentucky fried parrot sitting there like all of its feathers burned off and this kid going... Old age. It was old age. It's like so obvious. It must have smelled parrots a aren't just bit. like regular parrots are just like regular birds and then when they turn a hundred they keel over and they're cooked. And they're like but also parrots live to be like a hundred. Four years old is too young to be making decisions. Yeah. Oh, and to be left alone. That is crazy. Don't leave your kids alone when they're four. Yeah, wait a minute. I'm back on your team. Yeah. This is your parents' fault. Of course. That's why they didn't punish you. They were like, oh my God, why did we leave this child home alone with a parrot? Your parents are at fault here. Wash your 
soul free. Blame your parents. And maybe that parrot, too. I don't know. You don't know what it said. <laughs> it might have said something smart, you know? Wait, that's so cute that she was trying different different it's, amounts of time. It isn't cute. No, I just mean like she was trying to not hurt it. No. Something in the back of her honey, head was like, don't just put it on high. It is not cute. <laughs> there is nothing cute about that story. That fucking poor parrot. Can you imagine its last moments? Polly won an escape. <laughs> That was crazy. That was so gnarly. Now we're calling Jamie in Long Beach. Hello. Hi, is Jamie there? Yeah, this is her. Hi, Jamie. I'm calling from Capital One Express Card. <laughs> Who do you currently bank with? Um, what's your social security number? And what's your credit card number? Hi, Jamie. It's Moshe Kasher and Natasha Legera from the Endless Honeymoon Podcast. Hi. <laughs> I figured I'm such a huge fan. Oh, well, thanks. We're a big fan of yours, too. <laughs> do you have an issue or you just wanted to like tell us how much you liked us? Because <laughs> you could do either. Well... I don't know. I feel like I have what might be a relatively common millennial question or problem that... Oh, the answer I'm... is penicillin. <laughs> penicillin will clear it right up and it'll go away and you can get right back to it. <laughs> no, um, I'm kind of like stuck in a relationship where I'm kind of like I'm no longer in love with them and I'm kind of like financially stuck. Oh, this is fascinating. You're in a relationship where you guys split the bills, but you don't want to be in the relationship anymore. Yeah. Sounds like she's in a relationship where he pays the bills. <laughs> oh, you don't. Oh, he pays them entirely. For the most part. Yeah. Whoa. Hmm. This is a gnarly one. Do you have a job? Yeah, but I also go to school. I'm like at my last semester at university and I work part time only. What did you do before you dated this person who pays all of your bills? I was living with my mom, but she kicked me out of the house. <laughs> Why did she kick you out of the house? Just because she like she was financially stuck too and like couldn't afford to live in the house anymore and was like, well, I can't afford to take care of you anymore, so figure it out. And so I ended up going out with him and then he ended up like kind of taking care of me and it was fine when we first started dating, but now I'm like after like we've been together for about seven years now and like after the first two i was like oh i don't really like this anymore wait you've been it in just, a like, relationship the right situation for me it's been five years that you've been in a loveless relationship where this guy pays the bills yeah Oof. this is not a com- i don't is this a common millennial <laughs> issue i don't know you set this up like this one will be pretty easy for you guys to to do some game theory on. I'm sure everybody that calls in has this issue. Uh, you're in a tough spot. I what- mean, the reality is you should not, you know, be lying to him and having sex with him and not enjoying it and making him think that maybe there's a future when you know there isn't. And as soon as someone, you know, who you're attracted to comes along, you might leave him and... Right. If So we have to separate these things into different categories. The moral thing to do is to not be in a relationship with a person who you have to lie 
to in order to be with and to not manipulate somebody into paying your bills because that's the only value they have in your life. That's the right thing to do. But on the other hand, you have the practical reality, which is that you don't have enough money to live without the situation you're in. Is that correct? Yes. And she's trying to finish school to hopefully get a job to be able to pay for herself. Yeah, yeah. That's the goal. Totally. So you you do work. How much extra money do you have a month? Um, like almost none. Like what could you afford in what could you afford in rent? I guess is what I'm asking. Like almost none. Well, give me an amount. Um, like I really wouldn't know because like I haven't like really like figured it out. Well, it seems like that is your first order of business is to make... uh, Luckily, when it comes to incredibly sticky emotional situations, there's sometimes action that you can take that doesn't require emotion. And one of those actions would be sitting down and actually making a budget and figuring out exactly how much money you have, how much you can make, whether you can take student loans out. Now, I, I would never... I'm not I, I hate the student loan system and it's a racket and it's like get it's like getting a loan shark but it might be better than the situation you're currently in. There is financial aid for students that would help you to be able to pay your rent. Have you looked into that at all? Yeah. And I do have financial aid for school. And is it would it be possible to to ask for extra loans to be able to pay just the the amount of your rent per month? It just like freaks me out because like you said, it's like a racket and I just like don't want to like drown in debt before I can even like get a job that I can like afford. Totally. And here's the the bad news from where I'm sitting. The bad news is when you're in a bad situation, which is what you're in, there is not a, a way out of it that will be painless and without terror. You, no matter what, all of your options include scary, uncomfortable, difficult decisions. And But the good news is you can look into student loans without taking out student loans. You don't have to commit to anything. You could find out what your options are, and then you'd have all this information. You know, they say, like, knowledge is power. You'd have all this information that would tell you, okay, here are what my options are. I could take out this student loan. Maybe it would be to such a degree that I wouldn't drown in debt because all I want is for is for a minimal amount of rent per month. I could move into a to a place with 17 roommates and pay, you know, $300, $500, $700 a month, and when I get out of college, I will be in some debt but not an overwhelming amount of debt. You could do a budget and say this is the exact amount of excess money I have per month and maybe start looking. Have you done any looking to see if there's places around your college where there's, you know, people who have like, you know, floor space in a horrifying petri dish of (laughs) college std yeah like you have to ask around like i remember when i lived in new york i couldn't afford to live there and i i went to hunter college and then i found there was a dormitory so i like went in there and i remember crying to the woman and begging her to let me be there and it was like 30 dollars a month or something like to live in manhattan in like a single room with a bathroom totally so it's like you know you've got to figure out what your options are because this isn't going to end well yeah because the thing is when you get into a situation where you're overwhelmed which is what it sounds like you're in this situation you're overwhelmed with a bunch of bad options and a bunch of fear and so your response to it and a guy who probably wants to have sex with you more than you you know you don't want to have sex with him at all so then you're also giving energy to that and right. that that's very emotionally taxing so and so your response to all of these uh what feel like overwhelming choices is to is to not do anything is to just keep staying in the un 
the unpleasant discomfort rather than face the potentially unbearable unknown. And, and, but the good news about the unbearable unknown is you don't have to do anything. You just have to find out what's out there. Other good news is that your college, do you go to your college counselor? Um, like only for like classes, like advice, not for like personal counseling. Well, I think I would, I'm not positive about this, but I'm almost a hundred percent sure that, that, that your university has someone that you can talk to about the situation that you're in that can not only help you with the emotional fallout from the situation, but can help you with the practical reality of what you can do, who probably have more information about your specific area, housing options, rent options, financial aid options than Natasha and I do, or that you do just sitting at home staring at that ugly lump of a man. No, you- no. This this guy, <laughs> your your boyfriend, is what's it what's he like? Like do you feel like you still want to be friends with him when you guys break up? Um, yeah, like I think we kind of are good friends, but like instead of what you were saying where like he probably wants to have sex with me more, like that's kind of like also what started to put me off is that like I had a higher sex drive than he did and so we're not compatible there. And then I met him when I was really young. I was probably like 23 at the time and I'm 30 now and he was 33 when I met him. Right. And so it was just kind of like he was kind of already stuck in his ways and then I kind of like grew up and changed a little bit and I like kept him updated with it too and would say, oh, like this is kind of where I'm at now and I might be into this now and he just like didn't like it and just wanted me to be the person I was when we first met. Right. I mean, you already know that this relationship isn't going to last. Is that right? Yeah. So at some point, this crystal castle that you've built is going to come crashing down. I mean, she could wait and just <laughs> I mean, that live is there an option. for another year. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to ask yourself if you're willing to spend the emotional capital that it costs to be in a relationship with the full knowledge that you don't love this person anymore and allow them to continue to pay the bills. That's a choice too. We're not here to judge you. That's, that's, that's a choice too. But I just think at least even sometimes what I've found, I don't mean to cut you off Moshe, please. but I think sometimes even just taking a step to look at what your options are, like Moshe's suggesting actually just starts to shift your world a little bit. And sometimes it's like, Oh my God, wait, I could totally do that. Like if you don't even take that step, you nothing will happen you know like something surprising might happen some bit of luck you know the universe speaks to you sometimes through circumstances i believe so i think if you just make that energy effort towards that something might come back to you that is a better option than you thought it yeah it sounds to me like you are paralyzed by fear and the 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 way out of fear is to take some action that is my experience yeah. just take some action you don't have to run into his bedroom right now and say i don't love you i can't do this and then just walk out <laughs> onto the streets of the lbc hoping that somebody will take you in right now but talk to some friends at school do a little investigating talk to a counselor see how much debt you could afford without without it destroying your life you might be surprised there might be special loan programs there's work study there's places you can work to li- in exchange for living yep i bet on craigslist there might be some you just don't know there might be somebody on craigslist right now who's like i need a live-in like you know a, adult nanny person because i'm disabled and i could use somebody to help me like you just don't know until you start looking and also i just realized this would be great for you because you have a high sex drive you want to fuck someone hot you're never going to meet them in this <laughs> relationship so that can be your impetus to make this change because until you make this change 
you know, you can't really freely start exploring that other option. Find someone who's really compatible who you might marry and like start a life with. Yeah, you could even put an ad out on like, um, you know, uh, uh, Tinder or something saying like, I am looking for sugar daddy to pay my bills. I don't want to love you, but my sex drive, it's very, very high. (laughs) Because the problem is sometimes our circumstances are so overwhelming and it seems so scary that the only choice it seems like we have are to take drastic action. And because the drastic action is so scary, instead we take no action. But actually, what you need to do is take an action, however small, however tiny, just put one foot in front of the other, take an action, and I almost guarantee that one action will change everything. Moshe, you could have been a therapist. I could have been. I got into social uh, social work school, and I decided to do comedy instead. That's a true story. Thank God for comedy. Thank, oh yeah. For sure. Well, what do you think you want to do? Um, I'm definitely going to start looking into seeing what options I have available and talking to a counselor at school because I think that would be really beneficial. And then just go from there, I guess. I mean, they say cliches are cliches for a reason, but knowledge is power. And right now you've given away all of your power and you're just waiting around for something to happen externally that will change your circumstances. But you're in charge. Make that change. (laughs) You know, yeah, (laughs) you're looking for the man in the mirror and you're asking him to change his ways. And no message is going to be any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. Didn't he get canceled? Oh, shit. I don't know what you're talking about, actually. We have some copyright issues. I'm I'm getting an email from my producer that we're not allowed to talk about Michael Jackson anymore. Okay, good luck. My main advice to you you is to live your life the way Michael Jackson lived his. (laughs) Good luck. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Okay, out there, Endless Honeymooners, thank you for listening. Uh, w- Want to go ahead and recommend that all of you clean up the boils on your face, the spiritual boils on your face, and get out there and live a good life. And now that this podcast has come to an end, you can walk to your TV, turn on your Apple TV, click on that PBS app, and watch the National Parks, country music, anything that that bullheaded fool has made. (laughs) We love Ken Burns. (laughs) You know what else I love? I love Ken Burns, and guess what else? What? I love you. I love you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.